Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Let's go back to the garage door guru text line. Oh. Let's get the reaction from Hubert Davis being in studio trying to recruit Ian Jackson nice to, to reclassify. Yeah, somebody said that the crying version of Hubert Davis was straight fire. 704 number <laughs> wrote that. They liked that. Although 704, a different number, said, I dislike this version of Hubert even more than I dislike the real one during the season, <laughs> especially for the crying. Mr. Sporting Waves, he said, OMG, Wes, use a fool. And I said that exactly like the time. Right, right, right. No, I know what Wes, he's saying. Wes, use a fool on this Hubert parody. And then Jack said, Wes, sell him on the Jordans, too. Did you Ooh, say straight? Yeah. Did you say trash? Yeah, he doesn't work good sneakers on okay. the sideline. He's not like Mac. Mac flexing. He I wears know that. all the You didn't know Mac Brown wears the heat? No, no, no. That, oh, yeah. I, I actually Yeah, but Huba wears like the the, the kind of Team Jones because he was wearing those Dear Deans and they, uh, nah. Did, is this something that only Wes would know? Fitty, is this something within Carolina <laughs> circles because you're so plugged in? Is this something that fans also make fun of him for? I mean, I don't know if I make fun of him. It's something that I definitely look to see what shoe he's wearing with okay. whatever pullover he's wearing. I think his shoe choice, while it's a lot more reserved than Mac Brown's, I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. Like he's still got more swag than I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seven oh four also said that was the best Tribe album ever. So Seven oh four oh. giving some Tribe called Quest. So yeah, which one do you go with? I mean, I do like Tribe, but I was never a huge Tribe fan. Like mm-hmm. I respect them a lot, but that was the album they put out. Like I think that was their last album together. And so I thought that it was decent, but the, like the, best, the Midnight Marauders and some of those. I, like, I think I always go back. and I think Midnight Marauders is the best one. I also like, I mean, I'm, I'm wearing a low-end theory shirt as we speak. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm literally wearing the low-end theory short sleeve hoodie. So I love that album. That's one of the first things that got me into, like, when I had to go back into hip-hop and really learn the game, as you told Drew to do. Which, by the way, before we move on, I do want to get to the Panther stuff. But that, that got us on this Drew thing. Uh-huh. Just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, Fiddy is already sighing. It's more of a stress <laughs> sigh from Fiddy over there because we have a sales rep. It's the guy that's 6'10", 6'11", that you hear pretty often or at least early. You heard about him, a part of our family here at WFNZ. So what he has done here recently, and he's always done it, but more frequently, he's been coming into the fishbowl as we're prepping for the show, and he'll just fire off some wild takes. He said the best rap album of all time was Born Sinner. He tells you all sorts of crazy stuff. And Wes is like, no, let me try to teach you a little something so you don't get crazy out here in the streets. <laughs> They're that wild. Yeah. The sports takes are crazy, too. He came in with the top five moments since 2010. One of them, honorable mention, was Will Barton going for 55 in a regular season game. <laughs> just to kind of give you the type of wild take. So something we need to do uh-huh. is have a wild take Wednesday. I don't know if I think Kyle Bailey does that. Or we yeah. need to do something with yeah. Drew coming yeah. in. And just for him to spew crazy takes, maybe weekly. I know he'd be about it. But would the fans, would the listeners be able to take it? Because it might blow the car up. Yeah, man. Especially the, the hip-hop stuff, man. I just feel like hip-hop's history is just too rich. Too many great albums. Too many 
just moments in history to say an album like Born Center is the greatest of all time. Even that's for just a 26-year-old. Like, that's, that's just one of... A bunch of yeah, crazy takes. Yeah. I mean, Fitty, you can't you can't even listen to him sometimes. You want to kick him out of the fishbowl. You just sighed when I even brought his name up with some of those takes. Dude, I literally said you got five minutes because I was not in the mood for whatever <laughs> idiotic take. I mean, because like here's yeah. the thing. He walks in like, and I knew he had something stupid to say. Yeah, I mean, well, he's embraced it, though, yeah. to his credit. You know, yes. it's funny because when he first came in, I said, bro, we're going to bring you on the radio and we're going to let you spew this nonsense. And he was like, no, nah, no. Nah. Now, like, he told us yesterday, he, he, he named the bit. We got to get a oh. music bed for him. Oh, like, I didn't know he named it. What okay. was it? Yeah, or he, he was trying to come up with the name with it. I think he had another bad take, get lost along the way. But <laughs> my goodness, man. Oh, yeah. I love that guy, though. I mean, he's crazy. Yeah, he really is. He is fun. He's fun, and he's nuts. Troll baby. Yeah, he That's is, big time. Him. And he just says it with so much confidence. And then he, he also looks you in the eye when he, he says does. it. He does. He means it. He stands 10 toes down, as Wes might say. Yeah. And he tells you Born Center is the greatest rap album <laughs> of all time. And Will Barton is one of the greatest moments since 2010. 704-570-9610. We can hear some of your crazy takes if you want to on the Garage Door Guru text line. And we can also talk about the Carolina Panthers offseason. Because Jeremy Fowler put out a tweet about all of the cap space still had by some of these NFL franchises. And here's what Fowler tweeted out. Quote, the Panthers signed 13 free agents to deals worth 155 mil plus over life of the contracts. And they still have the second most cap space in the league. Wes, you put down after that tweet from Jeremy Fowler, does this prove not only that it's a great offseason because they legitimately improved their roster, Mm -hmm. but also does it prove just how smart they are navigating the cap the way they have? And I think that's why Samir Suleiman often gets a ton of credit. I think he's getting more recognition Mm -hmm. as his tenure in Carolina goes on to the point where he might be a GM for a different NFL team. Mm -hmm. And at some point soon... The coaches on the staff might leave. Maybe Samir does as well, but he's done a good job managing the cap. And so this is something else that you find impressive with Carolina. Yeah, and the more the crazy thing is that the more I watch it see is that the more you do hear about the fact that the cap is kind of a myth. Like, because I was watching the Carton show this morning on FS1, and they were saying how they were talking to 49ers Rogers thing. I almost started crying. But they said that, you know, how the 49ers, I believe, came out and tried to say, oh, you know, we don't have the cap space, so we're not really interested in that. But they were saying how the cap is a myth, and if the 49ers made a couple of moves, they could do it, and how these teams just finesse the cap uh, how they want. And so uh, that was that's an interesting thing. But just as far as what the Panthers have done and that they still have so much cap space and the guys that they brought in, I think it is shrewd and it does show that they're smart because we see teams all the time. How many times have we seen the Redskins or the year that the Eagles did it? They go out and sign all these high-priced free agents that on paper you're like, oh, man, they're going to be great. They got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And they're signing everybody to these super-duper contracts. And then they end up busting out. And I think the Panthers, uh, and I'm saying busting out in a bad way to where, to where they're not good. But I think the Panthers have got guys who I think will contribute, who aren't, uh, you know, glamour, marquee names that just are workmanlike guys. Uh, and, and the big thing is they have reasons to play because I think a lot of times when you give guys a big bag, it may decimate some of that hunger. But they're bringing guys in like Adam Thielen, still with something to prove. Hayden Hurst, 
uh, also coming to an offense where he wants to shine. Uh, Miles Sanders is maybe the only one. He got a nice deal, but still he's not getting a, a, a super-duper contract. And then DJ Chark is another guy that's coming in to prove himself some more to the league. So I think you factor in those intangibles along with the tangible uh, income that they received. And so I do think that they've made smart moves and not tried to break the bank to try to make a splash uh, free agency. No, no, they have. They, they've done Ooh. an excellent job of navigating the cap, restructuring Shaq Thompson. Some of this has to happen because of the player's willingness to do so as well. Yeah. And so Shaq Thompson deserves credit for this. Any, uh, any of the players that restructured their deal, but for sure, Carolina being able to find a way to finagle all of this, it does make a lot of sense. The cap space thing, when you talk about it being a myth, I know you're only halfway serious, right? Like, because you, you can, I'm just saying the more I'm no, hearing right. about it. Yeah, no, right. The, still the, the ultimate cheat code is doing the whole QB rookie scale contract mm-hmm. thing. Because if you look at all of the teams towards the top, as far as the most amount of cap space goes, you're talking about a lot of non-playoff teams. Chicago, Carolina, Detroit got close, but still non-playoff team. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, Arizona, Houston. So non-playoff teams. And then you get to Philadelphia, which is interesting because they spent a lot of money at a lot of different positions, but guess who is their starting quarterback? Jalen Hurts, second-round pick, non-big-boy contract yet. And now that it's about time to pay him, they couldn't find a way to keep Hargrave and your boys, San Francisco. They go out and they get one of the better defensive linemen. And they also, in Philadelphia, they don't bring back Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who was a big part of that roster. It's still a QB thing, yeah. but if you but if you have a QB that is not making $30 million plus, $40 million plus, depending on how good you are, that's when you can really start to, okay, we'll figure everything out. Let's try to get as much talent. It's the, it's the QB big boy contract that really hurts you at that point. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that's why, as you said, the Panthers are in an advantageous situation because they can continue year after year to make smart moves. And then if they do want to splurge on somebody that's out there that's in a real position of need, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to the text line here. Juan M. has been putting this in. I think he wrote this in a couple of times. Yes, because you brought up the wide receiver discussion yesterday. Let's get it. Boy, it got hot. Good. At the end of the show, Juan said this. Wes was right yesterday. Nobody's scared of DJ Moore. If you drop George Pickens, second round receiver, in this offense with CJ Stroud, he would get over 800 yards. I mean, we had a lot of stuff go down yesterday. We were screaming. (laughs) Yeah, we were. It was was loud. That's funny. It was loud. It was big time loud yesterday Uh with all of that stuff going on. All right, so I'm going to do this, okay? Because right. we probably went a little long on it. Yeah. So, Wes, go ahead. The 39 thing, can that overall draft pick replace DJ Moore? Mm-hmm. I know you went home. You did the research. Mm-hmm. Do what you got to do with this, and we're going to be tame a little bit more today. <laughs> no, no doubt. So I set the benchmark, making sure it's okay with you at 800 yards. Is 800, that okay? 800 Because he had fine. 888. All right. So 800 yards. So we can start with the fact that you look at the 2019 draft alone where you had DK Metcalf, Debo Samuels, and A.J. Brown who all cleared that mark, some of them beyond that, uh, way beyond that, uh, in the second round alone, and then Terry McLaurin went in the third round of of that draft. Uh, An honorable mention in here, maybe not the yardage, but just to throw him in there, Jarvis Landry had 84 catches in his uh, rookie season. That was 2013, yeah. Yes. But now, uh, starting ascending up, Jordan Matthews in 2014. Uh, he had a very nice rookie year that was beyond that number. Then I'll just list them Michael Thomas, Juju Smith Schuster, A.J. Brown, Chase Claypool, Amon Ross St. Brown, George Pickens, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, 
Debo, Terry McLaurin, T. Higgins, and D.K. Metcalf. Mm-hmm. So all these guys had pretty uh, solid two, even dare I say, I, I won't say spectacular because I put Moss in the category of a spectacular rookie season, but they were all uh, very good to solid. No, for sure. And so, yeah, I looked at that as well. So here, here are the numbers as well. If you look at 888, which is what DJ got, and 800, because I used that benchmark as well when I was looking okay. at some of this stuff. All right. 21 wide receivers in NFL history drafted in the second round or later had more receiving yards than DJ did, right? 88 or more, 888 or more, 21 in NFL history. Yeah. 39 wide receivers in NFL history drafted in the second round or later went for over 800 yards in their rookie season. That's still all time. Now, if you go back to the last decade, I feel like that's a fair benchmark. Just going last 10 years, solid number. 13 in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. have gone over 800. Eight wide receivers in the last 10 years have actually given you more than what DJ Moore did. Now, if you want to do the whole 40 overall selection, T. Higgins was 33rd. He was the first pick in the second round. T. Higgins would be off. Debo got over 800, but he did have total yards because he's a running back as well and utilized that sort of way. Here's my whole point about this. Mm -hmm. You're right. The trend is going up in the last five, 10 years. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But it's still a really small percentage. Not... Maybe impossible, not nearly impossible, which is what set us off yesterday as we were talking about this and doing the loud noises thing. Sure. But 23% of wide receivers taken in the second round or later in the last 10 years have gone for over 800 yards the rookie season. Okay, so you're close to about one out of every four. It's not crazy. But if you go to more than what DJ did just last season, you're talking about 15 So 15% went for more than DJ Moore posted last year when you encompass all of the second-round picks. And then if you want to add Amon Ross St. Brown, which, by the way, the only fourth-rounder to do it, to go to show you just how specially he had a rookie season coming out of the fourth round. Cooper Cup got 867, didn't pass DJ, but still 867 is special. And so it's still a really small percentage. So I think, look, it is happening as we get a little bit further on to the passing age. Like, no doubt, it's happening at a higher rate. It's still something that's going to be pretty hard to do. I would also talk about how DJ was clearly held back by the awful QB play. But you're not going to have Baker Mayfield throwing this year. Mm-hmm. You're going to have CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, maybe Anthony Richardson. Yeah. If, you know, we'll see where you land on that. But it's still going to be <laughs> yeah, hard. Yeah, impossible was the buzzword there. Like when he was like nearly impossible. And I just, and it is more towards the modern trend of football, how these mm-hmm. receivers come in more ready to play and how the ball is thrown a lot more. I just felt like that you can hit on the right guy that could come in and be your guy for you. Yeah, so Aaron, yeah, so we got a couple of texts in here. 704 said this too, DJ's biggest knock wasn't his yards, it was his touchdown. If 39, oh, Fitty liked that text. I like Fitty speaking to us just with sound bites. If, if 39 produces 700 to 750 but hauls in eight TDs, then that replaces DJ adequately. Well, the problem is Moore had seven last year. That's an interesting debate though. Well, I mean, but here's the thing about that. Like, we even brought up Julio More Jones. Catches. Well, the, the catch is so much to me. Like, if you're that's that's very contextual. Well, and the, to me, even with touchdowns, I think it's so fluky. Like, nobody is going to try to hold down Julio Jones. But that guy, after having 10 touchdowns his second year in the league, never had more than eight. Yeah, he was a big yardage, no touchdown kind of guy. But that's just how coverage yeah. is. Like, you you start to guard guys. So that's why I don't really put it on yeah. DJ Moore. No, I, early, I agree with you. Early in his career, I thought, this is he's not void of fault. Early in his career, I thought DJ really needed to work on his route running. 
I think he did as his career went on. But also, you're covering DJ. You bring in Robbie Anderson, who was a one-year wonder for us here in Carolina. Greg Olson is on his way out as DJ is starting to thrive. That's why I just don't put a whole lot. Of, like, touchdowns are fluky with any great receiver you talk about. Well, anyway, yeah. when you look at Julio Jones, look who he also played. Roddy White was an all-pro level wide receiver at one point. Then you had... Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore's never had another like legitimate, maybe number one or even like a legit number two passing threat since it became Carolina's top receiver option outside of Greg Olson. And Greg Olson was on the back nine of his career. I think that's why fans got so frustrated with him. That's one that, of your best takes. Fans. Yeah, like you know, he, he's going to get his his catches. He's going to get his yards. But touchdowns wins games, and he didn't score enough, and that's why I think if you find someone that can adequately replace him, like I know you'll be emotionally attached to him, you're going to cry some tears, but just like Hubert, yeah, I mean, like at the end of the day, we want to see Fitterer. this offense go and score touchdowns. Here's my thing with whoever they draft to replace him: is this going to be a pass-first offense anyway? I think Carolina wants to run the ball. They're designed with the offensive line to run the ball, so. There may not be an opportunity for these guys to have a high volume of numbers. All right, let's continue to talk about that. The philosophy of the offense coming up because Matt Miller, he spoke with Kyle Bailey earlier this week, and we have a lot of audio from that interview. It was very good, so let's break down some of that audio coming up next. Fitty just dabbed. He's hyped after that take. Wes said it was the best one he's heard in quite some time. Stick around to see if he has more. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Moose writes in the Garage Door Guru text line. Are y'all going to do a segment and take a moment to reply to other shows clowning Tony segment on your show yesterday? So I know Clown Mac, show. I know Mac and Bone did this, right? I did not listen to it, but I know Mac and Bone did earlier today. I just saw it tweeted out, and it's on our website, WFNZ.com that they were discussing some of the comments Tony Pauline had on our show. I know, Fiddy, did you listen to it, or I know Flounder told you something about it? No, I, I didn't hear it, but I did ask Mac this morning. First thing I said, so, Mac, what you what you think about Tony Pauline's comments yesterday? Yeah. He, he just cocked his head, and he was like, I think he's an idiot. <laughs> and, I mean, the, the thing uh. about him is, is that, like, and the reason I wanted to bring him on was uh, he didn't back down. Like, he didn't back down with us two months does. ago. And we set him up, and he just went right in and was lobbing bombs left and right yesterday. Oh, oh, Tony Pauline is an excellent content creator. There is no doubt about it, and that is what I want in this industry. Moose said Willie did, too. He was talking about it, filling in on Charlotte Sports Today. And I remember talking with Tony Pauline a few years back in the Brian Burns-Andre Diller draft, and he did not like Brian Burns. Look, this is not to call Tony out, but he was the only one with a different opinion, right? And like he did, he said it with his chest, as the kids might say. 
He said it with his chest about Brian Burns not being worth it because he was just too small. And that's something still some people who might be out on Brian Burns will say to this day, him being an NFL veteran now at this point. But Tony Pauline wasn't a fan of it. And so now here we are with everybody liking what Carolina did, moving up to the number one overall pick. I talked about how DJ Moore hurt. We had that debate yesterday, too, at 39. But I still would have done that. At the, at, you know, look, when, when you have to make that decision, I'm moving up to number one overall with all of the context of looking for your future QB, especially since Cam Newton left. And we had to go through Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield every year. Yeah, I mean, how, how can you look at the last four years and then be like, no, okay, we're good. We'll stay here Tell at nine. me how these randoms keep getting jobs. I like that. That's <laughs> no, perfect. Well yeah. time. It's what we want. So, yes, some people were screaming that about Tony Pauline. So we've already had the 39 replacement debate. What did you think about some of his other comments that I'm sure Panthers fans weren't thrilled about? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it because, like you said, he came strong with his takes. He was in his convictions. And, uh, you know, he shared an opinion that, I know that Panther fans want to hear everybody praise their team and everybody that listens to a, a station want their team wants to hear the praise, man. But he went the opposite direction. And so, you know, uh, I commended him on that. I didn't have a problem with it. And I think it's different. And it gives us more content to break down instead of it just being everyone coming on here with, with positive takes and, and everything that everyone wants to hear. Now we're having this great segment talking about some of the things he said. And there are other people that share his opinion that are Panther fans. Well, that that's the thing, too. And I know people are mad at Tony. And, and like, it's fine. I mean, hell, we can go off on Tony if we want to, if we disagree. But think about it. If you view this NFL draft as not as strong of a QB draft as most people would think, mm-hmm. then you probably don't like trading all of those assets to get your number one pick in Bryce Young yeah. or C.J. Stroud. If Tony doesn't like Bryce Young because of the size, even if he just called him one of the better QBs at 6'2", 220, and then you do all of the Bryce Young skill set with that body, then nobody's going to have a problem taking him number one. But he doesn't like C.J. Stroud as much, and so he doesn't think you should have moved up nearly and, and given up as much as you did to go up to get number one. Now, I don't know what Mac and Bone had to say about his take regarding Anthony Richardson, where it looks like Frank Reich would like Anthony Richardson. It looks like you would rather have that. I feel like my I'm starting to realize the Bluetooth is sending my phone ringtone through the system. So I'm going to have to tell my girlfriend. I was to wondering. Stop I was like, me. what is I was that? About to say, yeah, who are you talking to over there, Slim? That's correct. I'm going to have to do the whole mute thing. We're still learning. This is a learning process. But what did you think about um, Tony Pauline's comments? Anthony Richardson. It might be Frank Reich who likes him with his ability to maybe coach him up to be a great QB in this league compared to everybody else within the Panthers organization. That was interesting. The thing that's funny, too, that that I took from it is just the fact that he's like, you know, unless it's Peyton Manning or Trevor Lawrence or somebody like that, in what year is a team going to trade the first-round pick when you have a prospect like that? That's not going to happen. Like we talked about yesterday, if Bryce Young had the requisite size, I think the Bears would probably still be sitting there long and hard thinking about if they want to take him or keep Justin Fields. So uh, it's kind of a catch-22. It's The last time I could think about a guy being at the top of the draft that seemed like a a huge prospect that was going to change the game was – Probably the what the Chargers and Vic when they when they traded out of that spot uh, or like where there was a prospect that was like a, a can't miss which I guess I could say not everybody thought Vic would be can't miss but just a guy that everybody knew was the de facto top guy of the draft and they traded out of out of that 
uh, you know, the Eli man and I could say, well, Eli didn't want to go there. That was all. This that. is true too. Yeah. But he was also a prospect because I think some guys like if that had been Peyton. Now Peyton didn't even go. Uh, wait, Peyton did go number one. Right. He did not. I remember the no Ryan Leaf. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking was, about Peyton and Ryan Leaf. It was Peyton Manning who and went how they one, debated and then, that, and then Ryan Leaf. Yeah, went, yeah. So that's the thing about Bill Polian, right? Is he he selected Peyton Manning over Ryan Leaf? It was the right choice, yeah. and also an underrated one, by the way. He chose Edron James over Ricky Williams, yes. which Ricky was good, but Edge was he a monster. Yeah, 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 but so, anyways, so um, those are some of the the few times that I could think about uh, people. When there wasn't a trade with Peyton, but with Eli, and then with Michael Vick, but Michael Vick more so. People are not going to trade out of those picks if there's a, a a prospect up that is just that guy. No, that's the point, right? Is there an avenue to trade up to the number one pick because you want to take the dart throw there? Yeah. Because we see quarterbacks, you know, somewhat frequently not be the number one pick and then go on to be a star. I mean, not even somewhat, all the time, right? Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, when he was good before the sexual assault misconduct allegations, what we had with those guys, 10, 12, yeah. awesome young QBs, Mitchell Trubisky was the number two pick. Yeah. But Joe Burrow, Cincinnati was not going to trade that. Exactly. I mean, so, so this was the avenue to do it. Carolina saw their opportunity. So I'm cool with it. You gave up a lot. It also is going to take a lot to get that number one overall pick. So those are some of the comments from Tony Pauline. Maybe we give you a segment replaying some of that audio tomorrow. But we do have Matt Miller audio right now speaking with Kyle Bailey. Let's go to the first one. Here's Matt Miller discussing if he thinks the Panthers had a clear idea of who they were going to draft at one when they traded up. I think they had an idea, you know, of who it was going to be. I, I think you, you trade up from nine to one knowing you're going to love someone, right? Like, by, by the, that you feel good enough, I think. So I, the way I've heard it and the way I understood it was that they traded up knowing that between C.J. Stratt and Bryce Young, they were going to be comfortable with one of them after the combine. Uh, maybe they didn't know exactly which one at that point. Maybe they I don't, Maybe they still don't, right? But I, I think at the time, you know, a month and a half out, they at least knew they were going to be good with one of them. Uh, let's go back-to-back back with uh, Matt Miller so we get most of these in. Here he is talking about how he's leaning towards C.J. Stroud being the number one pick. I think it will be C.J. Stroud, and I'm basing that purely on what I've heard, not what I would do or anything like that. It's just purely based on the person who called to tell me about two hours before that trade was announced that said, hey, the trade's close to being done. Carolina is going to one. And I said, who's it for? He said, Stroud. And I'm holding, I'm holding tight that that person knew a couple hours before the trade that it was coming. So I'm believing that he also knows who the trade was for or, or where the winds are blowing that direction. I haven't heard any differently yet. Wes, I told you yesterday I was going to go on Lehigh Valley Sports Radio to do the annual mock draft they mm -hmm. hold up there. And they've been doing it for 14 years, by the way. First time I got to lead off, got to lead off with Bryce Young as my pick. They asked me why, and I could not give you good evidence as to why I had him as the separator over <laughs> C.J. Stroud. I don't know who they're picking. Yeah. I don't. Mm -hmm. If you give me truth serum, I'm being as truthful as I can right now. I just don't know. My gut feeling tells me Bryce but there's been a lot of evidence for CJ and there's even some out there that you've stuck your flag in as to going with Anthony Richardson. What do you make of those sound bites? Yeah. I mean, everybody seems to, that's the thing that's been the most confusing because everybody has sources. Everybody has uh, Intel that's telling him that it is for sure. This guy, we had Morton to come out and say the Panthers all love him. And we've, it's just a different quarterback. Every other day, it seems we hear, lightly more uh, about Anthony Richardson 
than we do the other guys, but it's either Ben Stroud or Bryce Young, and then we get a little bit of Anthony Richardson mixed into there. And I've said it over and over again. I don't think that the Panthers fully know who they want to take at this point. I think it is very, very hard. I think all these guys have some impressive tape, but I definitely think Young and Stroud uh, maybe have a little bit more efficient tape, and I just think that they're just factoring in every little thing we see teams in games overthink themselves in what seems like obvious situations. So you don't think that they're thinking and overthinking about who should be the prospect. Even if they landed on a guy, I could see them being like, yeah, I like Stroud. And coming in the next next morning, but yeah, I was thinking about that interception he threw about this. I don't know, man. I, I love Bryce. I, I saw, remember what he did on that Tennessee tape or remember what he did on this tape or that tape. So, you know, I think it's just going to be like that up until right at the draft. I mean, we even have Ben Solak, who we had on a couple of weeks ago, who's really one of the better film guys in the media to this day. The guy's awesome, man, and he's a lot of fun. He's a part of the ringer. He just tweeted out before we hopped on the airwaves. He just got done charting Anthony Richardson. And if he's the Carolina Panthers, he's taking Richardson number one overall. And so people are like, okay, Ben, explain, please. Because he's a respected opinion guy in this business. And so I know, I know. It's not crazy. And then so here he is saying elite physical tools with the problems that he possesses right now. He feels like this coaching staff could fix Anthony Richardson. And he even specifically mentions Frank Reich because when we talk about fixing Anthony Richardson, and you're going to have to with all these QBs making the jump to the NFL, but Richardson probably has a few more flaws. But even regarding that, he thinks Frank Reich, who is in line to be the head coach as long as he's successful, there's no worry about him leaving, that Reich is the guy to get the most out of Anthony Richardson. I wonder if he would have this take about another team selecting number one, if there was a different team, would he think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is a better fit there? But Ben Solak is putting a lot of stock into the coaching staff, getting the most out of a very toolsy quarterback in Anthony Richardson. And so now he's saying he's going to take him at number one. Well, remember Tony Pauline said yesterday that if Frank Reich had his way, that would probably be the pick as well. And that's the thing. I think that the closer closer we get to the draft, those physical tools and everything that he could be and this coaching staff, and I'm sure they, they have good egos, not necessarily bad egos. Man, I just think they're going to look at what he can do, what he could bring. I think they will have visions. Again, I brought up the Sirianni factor with Jalen Hurts and the fact that Sirianni and, and Reich are close. And I just think that they may be having visions of that. We saw the Super Bowl. We A lot of times we go after what was the last thing we saw and the last real NFL game we saw was the Super Bowl and Jalen Hurts lighted up. And I think people could see Anthony Richardson. He's a more athletic Jalen Hurts. Uh, when you look at all the tools that he possesses, man, and it's like it, it, that's, that's just the thing with him is if you can get this right, and that's the main thing you think about with Anthony Richardson. If you could get this right and coach him up and fix him, you got something spectacular. Uh, Gooball bringing in the big moron energy on the text line. He said, Tony Pauline is a freaking moron, like I said yesterday. And then we talked about Ben Solak, and then he said Ben equals moron. So Gooball. So anybody who likes Anthony Richardson, I guess. Or Yes, or uh, just Tony in general. Yeah, that's what Gooball is writing in here on the text line. Let's go to one more soundbite just real quickly because we are talking about the QB prospects. And here's Matt Miller kind of giving something surprising of a piece of analysis on Alabama QB Bryce Young. I think Bryce, uh, if I had to say one other thing, I watched him in person against Texas. There are times where he's 
He's, he throws with all upper body. You would love to see him use more of his legs to torque things. You know, we're starting to move off of that as quarterbacks develop and, and better their mechanics. It's, hey, you, you really want to get your whole body into these throws and not wear your arm out, especially on a smaller guy. That is one of the things that I would wonder how much you can, you know, add in more, more torque through the core and, and some base through the legs so that he's not wearing his arm out. Yeah, so a little bit as far as the structure of throwing on the move when most people celebrate his ability to throw on the move. What did you think of that soundbite from Matt Miller? I mean, I think that, you know, it's just a lot of people will try to point to the size and say, oh, you might he might not have the strength uh, in the lower body. And to be able to make some of the throws, and they'll say a bigger quarterback, you know, might not necessarily need to do all those things. But again, with Bryce Young, he can really – uh, do no wrong with me as as far as a quarterback is concerned. Go ahead, Fiddy. I just wonder, like, when you hear that comment followed by Joe Marino said on the Mac on Mac and Bone Show last week that he plays on his tippy toes. Like, dude, I, I was all in on the Bryce Young train because I think his arm is the best arm in the draft. But w- when he said that, and then you got him talking about he plays with the upper body, I, I dude, I, it, it, <laughs> it just it just makes it, it feels like Stroud is the much more he's the safer pick of the two. The name of the game going into any NFL draft is what do you put the most stock into? Because there are going to be plenty of people that say Bryce Young should be the number one pick and they're going to give you the reasons why. I think he should. And then you're going to hear stuff like that from Matt Miller or stuff like what Joe Marino is saying and they've got one individual thing that they're looking at and you have to try to guess how important it is. How important is it that he's throwing with a lot of his upper body at that kind of size? The tape is great. But is that most important to the point where, oh, okay, C.J. Stroud, I'm going to roll with him number one. So just right, like, what do you put the most stock into? And this is what's really tough to try to gauge with these NFL draft selection processes. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We skipped it the first time. Not going to do it again. Let's go to the first Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? Okay, whoa, oh. yes. Okay, Jim. Hello, friends. Yeah. We're going to take a trip down to Augusta National, where the first round of the Masters is well underway. And Victor Hovland is setting a, a, a pace right now that's going to be hard to match. He's at six under through 12. A three-shot lead on his on, on his uh, the guy he's playing with, Xander Shoffley. He's now alone now in, in second place, three under par. The score just changed. Shane Lowry, Adam Scott, Cameron Smith, Scott Stallings. Uh, Seamus Power, what a great name! I'm gonna say Seamus probably, but and then or yeah, Seamus. What do it's S E A. I'm gonna say still Seamus. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll, I'll take the L, but I'm gonna say. How does S E become Sh? Well, because Sean is S E A N, and yeah, so I maybe. imagine it's the same thing. He is from he is from down under, so you never know. And Brooks Kepka, they're all at two under par, four off the lead. Tiger Woods was two over at one point. I said this though coming into the day, Slim. Dude, I get up for the Masters. Maybe it'll hit me when I get home, when I put it on. It's not there this year. But then you lay right back down for that Sunday nap. <laughs> but I don't want to sleep on Sunday because that's when you get to see the guy get the green jacket. Yeah, but it takes yeah. so long. You can sleep you can on the front you get you a good nap and wake up and still see the ceremony. It's not till like 7 o'clock when mm-hmm. they do it. Uh, by the way, I think you look like a Seamus, Fitty. I feel like that fits your alter ego. I can ego. see that. Yeah, an alter ego. Maybe like drunk Fitty is Seamus. That's what I could You've feel. You've seen drunk Fitty. Did I look Seamus in that photo? Yes, you did. Shameless and Seamus. You looked like both. <laughs> it's Wesson Walker off and rolling. It's everybody's favorite segment, Fire or Fizzle, after the break. Sports yeah. Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. It's time for everybody's favorite segment. Coming in with a fire beat, too. We're going to come in with Fireman as well with Lil Wayne. Now, with all the Jersey controversy with the Carolina Panthers, you thought they were going to change, and then they said, we're not going to change without any silver. We're still going to keep that a part of the color palette. We're not going to change the jersey design. We're not going to change the logo. After everybody got hype, oh, it's a new yeah. era. They said, no, nah, we're going to change the sleeve and the shade of blue. Trust the process, Not blue, ideal. As everyone has run with. And so because of the uni talk here in Charlotte, Fire or Fizzle Today features the best uniforms in the NFL. Wes, number one on the list, the Dallas Cowboy Uni, the star on the helmet, is it fire or is it fizzle? Well, when we talk about the most recognizable, one of the most recognizable logos in all of the world, whether you're talking about business, Apple, or any other type of big business you want to talk about, when you see that star, you know what time it is. Let's see, they love to wear the white uniforms. They hate to wear the blue because they lose in the blues more than they would like to. Then we talk about the throwbacks. Oh, I remember the throwbacks with the stars. You got the one that's got the white stars on the shoulders, and then you got the one that's got the big blue stars. Oh, they were litty. <laughs> but when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys, one of the most recognizable brands and uniforms in all of sports, it is straight. Fizzle, you know I hate oh, the Cowboys. I ain't giving no home. credit on that, even though it's kind of half credit. Why, why was I surprised, though? Like, <laughs> I know you don't like the Cowboys. I still thought they were going to get some love. Yeah, man, you thought that. Biggest I was sitting there out. as I got ready to do it, and I said, yeah, I'm going to throw on for a loop on B- this. Big, biggest fake out I've had on Fire <laughs> Fizzle so far. I thought we were about to get a big old fire sound bite. I know we're going to get one here. We better. L.A. Chargers next on the list. You tell me. Whoo, you talk about the Chargers, the uniform combinations, even their white jerseys are fire. Which pants do you want to go with? Do you want to go with the yellow pants? Do you want to go with the white pants? Then do you want to go with the powder blue, the navy blue with the big one? They did the change. The Chargers have always had pretty dope uniforms. Crazy. Even when you go back to the junior Seau days when they were navy blue. But now you talk about the new one with the big pronounced lightning bolts on each shoulder, the colorways, the scheme. Listen, Justin Herbert looks great in them. Derwin James looks great in them. Any Charger could look great in them. Hell, Fitty would look great in them. (laughs) But when you talk about the L.A. Chargers, maybe the most fire uniform in the NFL, what do you think is coming? It's straight Fire! I think it's the dumbest in the league. The only answer acceptable there. I appreciate you getting that one right. This one's going to be interesting, too. Third on the list, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are we going with just the traditional? Are you trying to include all the encompassing? Okay. All encompassing. All right, you tell me, Steelers, what you got? Pittsburgh Steelers. I know you are a proud, proud fan base. Everywhere you go, you flood the stadiums, you flood the streets, you run your mouths, you talk nonstop. Then you talk about the uniforms, the black and the yellow. I love the Wiz Khalifa song. I used to wear that song out when it was out. It was so dope. Then you got the Bumblebee throwbacks and all the different little uniforms that you like to do. But the main uniforms, like I said, you cannot go to any stadium. You cannot go anywhere. You can walk past the TV and just glance at it and you know that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And for that reason, those uniforms are straight. Fizzle, I hate the Steelers. You Everything about you, you, so you know you weren't getting any love here. Okay. Now, I, I agree with that. The, the Bumblebee uniforms are awful. Yeah, There's like my awful. least favorite out there. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? You talk about a recognizable logo. It's fun to see the fans embrace what is the uniform that the Raiders possess. They've yes. always embraced it. What you say, Fire Fizzle? One of the things, man, my boy, Wilburn Oziyoga, we love to talk about this. And he thinks it is funny that Shout I out. think so that... Some uniforms that are so simplistic are so dope because he does not think so. The Las Vegas Raiders used to be the Oakland Raiders, used to be the Los Angeles Raiders, fall into this category. (laughs) If I had to pick another team, if I wasn't a 49ers fan, I'd probably be a Raider fan just because of the mantra, the fan base is lit. You're not going in there talking any trash if you want to leave with your clothes and your body intact and limbs. Okay. Uniforms, very simplistic. The black jersey, silver numbers, silver pants. Same thing when they flip the, the white. I might like the whites the best with the white with the black numbers and the silver trim. And then they got the throwback with the white with the silver numbers. Listen, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. When it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders and their uniforms, they are straight. Fire, one of my all-time favorites. Simple is more sometimes. What is it about Northern California? If you would go away from San Francisco, you'd go yeah, to the Raiders. Yeah, man, just what the Raiders, what they you? stand for. They're just gritty and grimy. They do lose, though, so that's the one thing about them. <laughs> they but do. they're so gritty and grimy and just their mantra and the, the fans, and they just lit. They take no mess. So I think I just like what the Raiders kind of embody. They just need to win more. All right. Just win, baby. Last one. San Francisco. You know what to do. Oh, man. Listen. No, we're listening. Uh, when I see that uniform, like 53, my heart just fills with joy. And I just get so excited when I see that SF and that red and that oval on the side of the helmet. And, you know, we talk about the classic uniforms that haven't changed much over the years. But then in 1994, when they broke out those throwbacks with the white letters on the red jersey with the black trim shadowed in the back. Then they flipped it around for the white ones. The year Dion took us to the Super Bowl. And even now, when they break those things out, when Jimmy G puts that thing on, Kittle, all of the crew, when they throw on those throwbacks with the shadowy numbers on them, I mean, Lord have mercy. I just want to just sit there and just drop to my knees and praise of my team, okay? Seductive. Then they got the black uniforms. You know what I'm saying? They break those out from time to time. So listen, man, you know what the 49ers mean to me, Queen City. When it comes to the 49ers and their uniforms and the throwbacks, they are straight. Fire! It wasn't going to be anything else. Niner game. Cut the-
that music off. There it is, Fire and Fizzle, ending with San Francisco. We got to get a Panther shout on the other side as well. So we'll get one more thrown in there to Fire or Fizzle. Maybe have an extended version. I was going to go with it here, but Wes told you to turn the music off. And what he says in this segment goes. So we'll come back after the break. Give you one more hour of Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.